Hello world and welcome to the program. This is Alex and my weekly episode of Ukrainian Unleashed, a podcast where you'll get along with Ukrainians and also observe how the global scenery impacts Ukrainian society in these exciting times. We speak about events, trends, individuals and lifestyles of modern Ukrainians. So let's jump right in! This episode is truly inspired by the ongoing protests all over the world against racism and by the need for fixing the current social paradigm which makes a lot of people feel vulnerable. Even though Ukraine is often left aside of global social movements, I can admit that we have our own internal pain points which often put people to the streets as well. That's why in this episode I'll check the anger potential of Ukrainian society and try to determine the scope of questions that may provoke an emotional reaction today. It's rather interesting to check on the public trust in times of corona crisis and see if we need to expect a social fallout. Hello everyone! I wanted to get back to you with a new episode on time, but the crazy June just knocked me off my feet. I think when we all came out of quarantine now, we just don't know from which side to approach a normal life, huh? I returned to my sports, stretching reggaeton and afro house dances. All this of course is inspiring, but my body does not seem to be ready for such a mad vibe. But the brain still craves for discoveries and new information, so let's warm it up. But before I begin, I would love to express my support to all the protests that are now spreading around the world over police aggression and racism, which are still a big problem in many countries around the world. My American listeners, I very much hope that the situation will unfold with minimal losses and maximum changes for the better for the whole society. Our world needs more love and solidarity. I'm happy that I know different people from different races and nationalities. And for me, xenophobia and racism is always savagery and pity for those who consciously refuse to get to know this world in all its diversity. All people are born free and equal in their rights. This is a citation from Universal Declaration of Human Rights. Discrimination cannot be the norm. The events that began in the United States have led to a global dialogue about disrespect to all forms of racism and xenophobia. But here in Ukraine these problems are assessed rather superficially, because not everyone is aware of their main triggers. Although recently we had a horrible case of a woman's rape in one of the police stations in Kyiv region, this crime took place almost at the same time as other cops on the other side of the world strangled a man in handcuffs in front of many people in the middle of the day. But unlike the United States, in Ukraine such cases rarely accumulate great potential for provoking nationwide protests. So let's see what can affect the minds of Ukrainians so hardly that they would be ready to riot. What topic or event could ignite the anger in Ukrainian society? Of course, there are currently a large number of issues in Ukraine that are hotly debated and may even lead to civil conflicts. But nationwide protests are like a fire that starts burning for so many reasons at once. Don't you think so? From my perspective, mass riots in the United States were similar to the Ukrainian Maidan in 2013, which also became a result of spontaneous anger. 
It provoked a strong desire for the whole society to join the protests because of injustice and the lack of state support resulted from public distrust for government institutions. The same reasons forced people across Ukraine to take to the streets after police attacked students' peaceful manifestation in Kiev in November 2013. Therefore, the Maidan experience prompts us to look at the American protests through the eyes of people who had high demands and expectations, long patience, but were forced to resort to extreme means to protect their rights. Ukrainians are accustomed to living in a period of transition and political transformation. From time to time, I see surveys where the Ukrainians are asked about their satisfaction with life and expectations they carry from ongoing reforms. But I wonder if this data serves as a reliable indicator of people's ability to protest. And if yes, do we need to be prepared for the after-quarantine protests in Ukraine? Let's also revise in general what were the biggest protests here in the last two years. I'm Ukrainian and I think I might be the best indicator of scanning social vibes of Ukrainian society, aren't I? Let's check on this together. Yes, Ukraine collected the experience of three revolutions, which we call Maidans, and Ukrainians know how to protest. This is a great experience, which is primarily based on the trust within society and the ability to listen to each other, to build effective communication between different social groups. The research on the integrity and inclusiveness of the democratic process in Ukraine, conducted last year by United Nations Development Programme, shows that in six years since the last Maidan, Ukraine has embarked on wide-ranging reforms designed to bolster democratic governance and accountability. However, despite much progress in implementing technical reforms in areas like anti-corruption, public procurement and decentralization, the country continues to be marked by alarmingly low levels of trust in institutions and widespread disappointment among the public with the achievements of the reforms. Nevertheless, the level of public activity in Ukraine traditionally remains quite significant in comparison with other countries of the former USSR. According to the recent poll conducted by Ilko Kucherev Democratic Initiatives Foundation, one in three Ukrainians, so it's like 30%, says they participate in the life of their community regularly, while nearly 17% of citizens join NGOs activities. The protection of the rights and interests is the key motivation for people to participate in the activities of NGOs and create public initiatives. Surveyed NGOs representatives generally rated the current level of development of civil society in Ukraine as average. However, only 9% of citizens in Ukraine were involved in volunteering in 2019, in fact as many as in 2012, which is much less than last year, unfortunately, and less than in 2017, 2016 and 2015. The most active volunteering was happening in the western region, in the central and eastern regions, and least active in the southern region. Does this mean that the level of trust and proactivity has significantly decreased in Ukraine in recent years? 
Ukraine is a large and diverse country which reflects in a wide political landscape in its different regions. In the coming month, Ukraine will go through the general local elections in late 2020. This fact reassures Ukrainians a little because of the opportunity to express ourselves in a democratic way. Therefore, it mostly motivates Ukrainians to analyze the information that now invades their minds from everywhere. The UNDP research also stresses out that the media plays a crucial role in safeguarding political integrity through their role in informing the public about political affairs. Ukraine's media landscape is diverse, with a high number of broadcast media outlets at the national and local levels. Although online and social media have been growing in importance, television channels continue to be the main source of political information for most citizens. In general, civil society is much stronger in large cities of Ukraine than elsewhere, in part due to the lack of qualified people or founds in smaller places, but also due to an environment of intimidation and violence. Therefore, journalists that challenge local political and business elites often experience pressure, including obstructions, threats and physical violence. Knowing this, the majority of Ukrainians, nearly 70%, have a positive attitude towards the activities of investigative journalists and the fact that many public activists have joined the Ukrainian parliament. According to the public survey, 4 of 10 Ukrainians, nearly 45%, are able to make a donation to NGOs they trust. Interestingly, the level of household income is not much related to the willingness to make such a donation. Even among those who lack money for food, 40% of people are able to donate at least some amount of money. The level of education is the most decisive among other demographic factors. The higher it is, the more likely a person is willing to donate to community initiatives. Pressure on civil society has increased in recent years, especially during 2018. Some attacks on activists, such as the murder of Katrina Gandzuk in Kherson, have received wide international attention. On July 31, 2018, Katrina Gandzuk was attacked near her house, and a known person dosed her with exit. She received a chemical burn on about 30% of her body. She died on November 4. From the beginning, the case was described as a street crime and only under public pressure the police reclassified it as attempted murder with extreme cruelty. Katerina Gandzuk used to permanently expose the corruption of local recertified police officers, separatists and pro-Russian activists in Kherson region. Over the past few years, Katerina Gandzuk has fought against pro-Russian movements in Kherson and resisted the separatists' attempts. She made anti-corruption investigations about regional state officials as well. But apart from this case, many other attacks were less reported. In 2018 alone, more than 50 activists have been subjected to physical attacks across Ukraine. So, raged by the growing number of cold cases, the protests called A Year Without Katya have taken place all over Ukraine with the demand to make all the guilty ones accountable for their crimes. 
Thus, Katerina Gandzuk became not only an individual, but also a collective image of all activists who have been pressured or killed in recent years in Ukraine. The manifestations were largely supported by a lot of public activists. Such cases provoke an emotional reaction of Ukrainian society. But what about their results? For now, I can say that high-profile cases like this are likely to provoke a wave of protests that may turn into a series. However, the topics and events that could ignite public protest in Ukraine are still quite limited, as Ukrainian society remains sufficiently stratified regionally and class-wise. However, the post-Maidan experience helped us to understand that we need to fight for common values and not only for personal interests. While the need for more effective women's participation in democratic processes is generally well organized and already openly discussed, other groups face even greater challenges. As you see, members of the LGBTQI community and the Roma national minority face a problematic and sometimes hostile environment. The conflict in eastern regions of Ukraine has also created a new vulnerable group, internally displaced people, numbering around 1.5 million people in Ukraine. According to the nationwide survey, when asked about groups of people Ukrainians wouldn't like to see as their neighbors, respondents most often pointed on drug users, alcoholics and roms. However, Ukrainians think that the group that suffers the most discrimination in Ukraine is LGBTQI community members. Besides, Ukrainians consider internally displaced persons and national minorities, women and Muslims, as the most deprived groups of people. The survey says that every fourth Ukrainian, nearly 38%, is ready to support discriminated groups in the fight for their rights. But about the same share of respondents, nearly 40%, rejects the idea of defending other people's rights. One of the all-Ukrainian peaceful protests that demonstrates the strength of civil society in Ukraine might be the Equality March, which has been held in Ukraine annually for five years. The Equality March is a traditional human rights march held in support of equal rights for the LGBTQI community at the end of June as part of the International Pride Week. In Ukraine, it is traditionally organized in Kiev, Odessa and Kharkiv, in line with the global movement for equal rights for the LGBTQI community. It is protected by law enforcement officers from attacks by right radical parties and, regardless of this fact, attracts more and more participants each year. In 2019, in Kiev, the Equality March was attended by about 8,000 people from Kiev, other cities of Ukraine and foreigners. Interestingly, more than 30 military officers also marched on the 2018 Equality March. They came to support equality for all people, said Viktor Pilipenko, one of the participants, volunteer of the Donbass Battalion. The Equality March is probably one of the largest public events in Ukraine, which aims to solve common social problems and unite various members of society. It should be noted that last year's event was attended by many people who were not members of the LGBTQI community, but supported the idea of equality of rights and anti-discrimination. 
why am I going to the Equality March? For me, it's very simple because I believe in human rights and want to live in a state where people are valuable. I do not belong to the LGBTQI community, but it is important for me to feel safe and a level of tolerance towards LGBTQI community is part of that security," says journalist Darina Mizina. As for political protests, the last mass riots in Ukraine took place in October 2019 in about 40 cities after the government announced the approval of the so-called Steinmeier formula. Such an emotional reaction was connected with the authorities' attempts to resolve the painful issue of the war in Donbas by methods that were not supported by the majority of Ukrainians. Political parties and NGOs were urged to take to the streets. The general slogan of the protesters was no surrender. The main requirements not to grant special status to the occupied territories of Donbas and not to withdraw Ukrainian troops from the line of demarcation as well as to prohibit elections in this region. About 50,000 participants have taken part in the march only in Kiev, not mentioning other cities of Ukraine. So we see that Ukrainians are still ready to stronger defend national interests than their personal. This is largely also due to the transformation of Ukraine as a state focused on common European values. Therefore, people are afraid to stray from the course for which they have already paid a high price. Besides, big goals and global threats seem more attractive to public protests, huh? But such interaction also makes Ukrainians more confident so that we are no longer ashamed to defend our beliefs. In the last year alone, dozens of actions have taken place in Ukraine, organized by various trade unions and associations defending the rights of workers and entrepreneurs. For example, the protests initiated by Europlates owners struggling at providing affordable conditions for customs clearance of cars imported from European Union countries. Later, during the adoption of the law on the free agricultural land market, Thousands of people blocked traffic in the capital, protesting against land reform. Also recently at a manifestation in Kiev, the teachers opposed the idea of cutting off the salaries and introducing a 40-hour working week by the government. In February, mass protests were rolling all across Ukraine against the total fiscalization of small business and complete disregard of their problems. At the same time, such movements can be estimated as an indicator of the civic activity of Ukrainians, says Yulia Kurnishova, an expert at the Center for Combating Corruption. Since 2014, civic activity has not increased much. Our society remains passive and does not understand the role of NGOs. Namely, such organizations are intermediaries between the people and the government she commented on the online resource LigaNet. So we see in result that Ukrainians value freedom above all else, but they still rely heavily on the state in solving personal problems. According to UNDP research, since 2014 progress in implementing democratic reforms in Ukraine has been uneven. Evidence has yet to emerge that the nexus between business interests and politics is being seriously challenged. 
or that political life and decision-making processes are becoming more genuinely inclusive. In retrospective, experts mainly characterized the last Maidan as a revolution of dignity. Society's aspirations to democratization and move towards the European choice. But although the government was changed, two key demands that were crucial haven't been realized yet. First of all, it is the absence of a systematic fight against corruption and a complete renovation of the political system, the arrival of new elites and illustration of the old ones. Besides, the de-oligarchization of political and economic life has not yet taken place in Ukraine. According to the survey, almost half of Ukrainians, 48%, say that they have not yet experienced any results from the ongoing reforms. At the same time, 22% have already felt both the positive and negative effects of the reforms, while almost 1 in 5 respondents has a negative opinion. Approximately 15% of respondents said that the level of corruption has increased over the past 12 months and every third Ukrainian is ready to participate in collective protests against high-level corrupt officials and politicians. Knowing this, the question is whether Ukraine should expect a new large-scale wave of protests in the short-term perspective and what could pull the trigger. The main claims of Ukrainians focus mainly on receiving quality services from the state, such as health care, education and social security. Perhaps that is why Ukraine has bypassed such global trends as eco-activism and the rising of the movement against climate change. There is currently no Green Party in Ukraine to take care of these issues. Although the environment is often perceived as the number one local problem, the majority of citizens of Ukraine, 53%, are convinced that there is a problem with the environment in their district. Also, movements for protecting women's rights and gender equality are mostly held in the format of flash mobs on social networks. I have already released an episode on social movements against sexual violence, such as Me Too, which have unfolded in Ukraine as well. Even if it did not turn into streets protests, Me Too definitely popped up in the minds of many Ukrainians thanks to the strong online support of all the participants. You may listen to one of the previous episodes of Ukrainian Unleashed to learn more about Me Too movement in Ukraine. But with all that being said, the quarantine protests that have now formed at the basis of bigger social movements around the world are, in my opinion, unlikely to happen in Ukraine. According to Ilko Kucherov Democratic Initiatives Foundation, Ukrainian experts noted that the epidemic outbreak had a certain influence on the civic activism of people and only about 20% did not agree with this statement. So, that's true that half of the Ukrainians agree that the pandemic has multiplied social capital among the public, human connections, solidarity, mutual trust, and helped to develop skills and practices of self-organization within society. Let me remind you that any social capital is based on mutual trust, on public trust. And it's not just about entrepreneurship. 
It is worth recalling Francis Fukuyama's definition of social capital here, exposed during his public lecture in Kiev in 2006. Social capital is informal norms or values that make it possible for groups of people to act together. It can be a small group of two friends helping each other with a relocation, or a large group, a corporation, or a society as a whole. And in the early 1990s, in his book Trust, Francis Fukuyama described social capital as trust, mutual aid, and activism. Then the world faced the economic crisis and scientists thought about using social capital for overcoming it. Maybe Ukrainians should now think about this too? Interestingly, today only 10% of all Ukrainians surveyed would like to live abroad. Half of them would change their minds in the event of political changes in the country or an increase in family income. Regarding their children, more than half of the respondents would like them to live in Ukraine, while 17% would like their children to live abroad. So I think this means that we are still ready to fight for our future here. This was a new episode of Ukrainian Unleashed podcast. Thanks for being here with me. I also would love to thank Purple Planet for lovely musical compositions used in this episode. I'd really appreciate your comments, reactions and subscription to our podcast channels in your favorite podcast app. And we did our best to extend our presence all over the web. And of course, check our pages in social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram accounts with fresh updates are waiting for you. Stay tuned for new episodes and keep safe.